A lot of people with disabilities don't like to be looked at as inspirational just for living their lives, but it happens a lot. My name is Nate, and that's why this podcast is called We're the Inspiration. On this show, people with disabilities get to tell their own stories, but with me, a wheelchair user as host, they also control how they're told, and by that I mean not in a way designed to inspire others. They're just real and hopefully entertaining. We come this week to part two of a three-part look at ableism in movies and TV shows. I'm back with Greg Pope, and we have a list I found on the internet of ableist roles in movies. As I'm reading these, remember the list of tropes from last week, so let's get started, shall we? The first ableist movie role is actually in the name of the movie, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump shows a person with an intellectual disability, without saying that out loud, as the butt of several jokes about his intelligence. He has no agency, he just tumbles through life, and mostly good things happen to him. And somehow we're supposed to be inspired by that. Remember, good things didn't start to happen to him until those leg braces came off. Right. And then with that, there was that uplifting music that went along with it. Mm -hmm. Because it was such a miracle. Forrest Gump is a movie I haven't seen in a long time, but it is a movie that when it first came out, I tried to avoid it because I thought, it's not a bad movie, but I thought that things like this were going to be written about it, if yeah. that makes sense. It does. Yeah. And and Forrest Gump himself is not the only disabled person that would fall into those categories. No. You know? Lieutenant Dan, perfect example. Well, that was the next on the list. No. Well, sorry for jumping the gun. He hasn't seen the list, by the way, but yeah. No, I have not. Lieutenant Dan. Dan is very unhappy until he gets new legs. He does get new legs. He does get new legs. Galloway. Same as a spaceship. Yep. And uh, Forrest seems just about as happy as Lieutenant Dan does about it. Yeah. But you know, they're they're and, right. Like Lieutenant Dan was a complete jackass until he got the new legs. Oh yeah. He went through so many different phases. Yeah. After he lost his legs in the war. Yep. You know, he went from denial to anger to pretty much just giving up at one point, you know. Yeah. To the realization that well, wait, my life's not actually over. You know, because then you have that scene at the end of the hurricane where he decides he's going to go for a swim. Kind of the movie's way of saying, you know what? I can survive with this. Which is a good message to send, but you're taking a real winding road to get there. They really hit on so many different tropes about it you know Mm -hmm. especially the whole new york city part the two ladies make fun of him because he has no legs and they only did that because he stood up for forrest gump Mm -hmm. when they made fun of him so the next one okay so this is a movie called 
as good as it gets. I haven't seen it, but I know something about it. And this kind of describes it perfectly. Jack Nicholson's character is a cantankerous writer with obsessive compulsive disorder who softens when he meets a single mom waitress. Woo, he saved. I have seen the movie. It's been a long time and I don't remember much of it. Now, being a grumpy old man is not necessarily a disability, but you run into it a lot where something like that is considered a way to alleviate something like a disability. You know, meeting the right person and all of a sudden you don't think about it as much anymore. Yeah. From the small amount that I do remember, he gets mad when she's not there and he wants to only be served by her. Mm -hmm. I've seen parts of it, but I didn't see the whole thing, so I couldn't really tell you. Yeah. Like I said, it's been years since I've seen it. Okay. I'm going to tiptoe around the next one a little bit. Oh, boy. There's a movie called At First Sight. And the reason I'm tiptoeing around this is because it stars Val Kilmer. Now, Val Kilmer, if you don't know, he actually is disabled now. Like, to the point where he can't speak. I think he had some sort of throat cancer or something like that. I'm pretty sure that's what it was, was he got throat cancer. Yeah. And it, and it messed up his voice box. So he plays a guy in this movie who's been blind since childhood. And then, again, he meets a woman who convinces him to have radical eye surgery done to restore his sight. And it works. And he's cured. And, I don't know presumably falls in love with the woman and everything's fine just because he's not blind anymore. As if being blind is such a horrendous thing that you couldn't fall in love. Well, I would hate to wake up blind tomorrow, but that's only because I'm not used to it. Right. At the end of the day, falling in love has nothing to do with it. No. You know, you meet who you meet, you connect with who you connect with, and that should be it. The next one is a movie I saw a long time ago. It's called Benny and June. Benny cares for his sister June, who has a mental illness. He also inherits the care of Sam, who has a personality disorder. Sam and June fall in love while Benny struggles to decide if he should send June to a group home. I can see multiple... You know where I'm going with this. Yes, I do. Multiple things wrong wrong with that. Yeah. I'm not sure I even saw the entire movie, but I know I've seen part of it. And I've if I never seen, if I've I never didn't see it. the whole thing, it's because I thought it was a piece of crap. <laughs> it sounds like it would be. Yeah. I've never seen it and frankly after that, I'm not sure I'd want to. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. Born on the 4th of July, Tom Cruise plays Ron Kovic, who had a spinal cord injury from his tour in Vietnam, later became a political activist. So much anger. 
Now, I didn't see this movie because it was one of those things that came out when I was a kid. When I had Alan Toy on the show, he talked a little bit about the casting of it because I think he was an extra for it. Wasn't that the movie he talked about where he contacted them saying that he thought that someone with an actual physical disability should be the lead? Yes. Okay. Or one of the leads, yeah. Something to that effect. Yeah. And they basically told him no, and it wasn't going to happen. They casted him, as, like you said, as an extra. I don't think he was campaigning for the lead himself, but this was the way in which he was explaining his take on non-disabled people playing those roles. Because he's personally fought for disabled people getting you know, featured roles. But his take on it is money talks, and that's kind of hard to disagree with. Especially in the movie business. Well, yeah, where even more millions of dollars are at stake than there were in, like, 1986 when this movie was made. Right. Which would be why I've never seen it. Yeah, it came out the, like, the year I was you way were born. too young. Yeah, came out on your birthday or something. I don't know. You might have been dead. Okay, this is a movie that I did see. Now, this is based on a book. The book is called Flowers for Algernon, but the movie is just called Charlie because it's featuring a character named Charlie with a Y. This is what it says about it. Scientists inject Charlie with a drug that takes him from someone with a mental retardation to a genius because, of course, an injection. The only thing I can tell you about that, the reason the book is called Flowers for Algernon, is that the experiment in both the movie and the book started on mice, and the mouse is named... Algernon. Now, I saw the movie in school. I might have read the book in school, too. I don't remember. But it's another one of those things that is so fantastical that it didn't offend me. Yeah, I, I literally know nothing about it. I've, I've heard the name. That is the extent of my knowledge of it. So I learned something from you today. Right. It's not bad. The guy that played... The role of Charlie won an Academy Award for it. That's cool. But the idea of getting rid of your disability with an injection is so ridiculous that, I don't know, it didn't affect me in a negative way. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's too out there to be offensive, I guess. All right, for now, we're just kind of reacting to plot points, I suppose, because this is another one I haven't seen. Children of a Lesser God. Sarah Norman is a former student at a school for the deaf who resists a new teacher's efforts to teach her and read lips and use her deaf voice. And it says, God, why is she such a bitch? He's just trying to help and save her. 
it's another one I've never seen, but that yeah, I've heard of it, but I, I think that's another one that came out even when I was a kid. So yeah, as time goes on, there's luckily less and less of this in movies. There is still some, but you know there are less and less. The next one is called The Doctor, and we're all familiar with doctors. Jack McKee is a successful doctor who discovered he has throat cancer. After undergoing treatment, he realizes the importance of doctors treating patients with respect and dignity. Disability is something I could marginalize until it happened to me. That's what it says. There are tons of stories about that. A lot of doctors should watch that movie then. Some are really, really good and listen to their patients and whatnot. And others play the whole, well, I'm the doctor. I know better because I went to school. I know your body better than you do because I'm a doctor. Right. That's I, a lot I, of their I, attitudes. I, I, oh, yeah. They don't want to listen to the patient or the patient's family. Everyone I know, to an extent, has dealt with a doctor like that. I've seen part of this, not the whole thing. Girl Interrupted, which is literally about a bunch of young females in a mental institution. But it says, Susanna Kaizen recalls her experiences as a young woman who was admitted to a mental hospital in the 1960s. Add another one for institutionalization. I didn't see the whole thing, but I know that Angelina Jolie won an Oscar for that, I think. Can't be the worst movie, but being in an institution in, say, the 60s when this movie was set is not the same as today. No. My mom's grandmother was institutionalized for something that you wouldn't get institutionalized for today, being senile. But apparently back then, just being senile, you could be institutionalized. I am Sam. Sam, played by Sean Penn, must fight for the right to maintain custody of his seven-year-old daughter. And in I Am Sam, what it leaves out is that he plays a mentally challenged person. So it's a mentally challenged person fighting for custody of his daughter. And he's fighting because he's mentally challenged and they probably don't see him as being fit to be a parent. I am assuming that, yes. I've not seen it, so that's my assumption. The fights that have to take place because of a litany of disabilities are real. They're not just in movies. Okay, the next one I've never heard of. It's just called The Men. Marlon Brando's character is a veteran adjusting to life with a spinal cord injury. His fiancée still wants to marry him, but is hoping for a cure. I love him, but not as much as I'd love him if he wasn't disabled. Oh, boy. Yep. Unfortunately, that happens in real life as well. And that's a very specific subset of disabled people it happens to where not only are you getting used to a new disability, but 
if you're with someone, they're also getting used to it. Yeah. That does happen, of course. I'm speaking from my point of view, which obviously is going to be different than someone that's actually dealt with it because I was lucky and was born with my disability. But if the person can't handle you with your disability, you don't want to be with that person anyway. Of course, it's easy for me to say that because I'm not in that situation. No. But you also don't want to be with someone who feels like they have to be with you out of pity. You want someone to be with you and stay with you purely for the love that they have for you. A lot of the people that are newly disabled have to come to that realization. And I can't speak to that except that I could once move my legs and now can't. You know, I've always been a wheelchair user. But I would think in a case like this where you develop a spinal cord injury, one day you can walk, next day you can't. If you have anybody that is that special to you, you kind of want to cling on to them because you need somebody. A lot of times what happens is resentment develops and those relationships fall apart. Resentment happens. The the person shuns you because you're no longer the person they originally fell in love with because apparently you now being disabled has changed you that much. So the next one is called Men of Honor. Cuba Gooding Jr. portrays the Navy's first african-american diver who is also an amputee now it says this one isn't too terrible as far as the story however there are literally thousands of amputee actors seeking work who could have played this role is this based on a true story i think i remember there was a guy in the navy made it into the navy seals he ended up losing a leg or both like i can't remember but he didn't want to be discharged and he found a way to still pass the qualifications to be a, a Navy SEAL, even with his disability. I remember a story like that. I can't remember the guy's name though. It is a true story of Master Chief Petty Officer Carl Brashear. That's him. That's the one I'm thinking of. All right, so the next one, I don't know that I've seen this movie, but it is pretty famous. The Miracle Worker. You know what that's about? Uh, I can take a guess. (laughs) Helen Keller. Yeah, and how they taught her to, yeah. Ann Sullivan, who has a vision impairment, tries to teach young Helen Keller, who is deaf and blind. So much wrong. Does anyone actually remember that she is a person and not a circus sideshow or novelty? I feel like her whole life she was treated as one. That's probably true. Like, for anyone, especially around that time, to be, as an example, not only to be deaf or blind, but just to have, like, multiple disabilities. Back when she was alive, anything that was 
considered unique or strange or, you know, out of the ordinary was considered a freak. That's how a lot of, you know, the sideshows and circuses started. Yeah. That brings me to one I saw again recently, but it's, it's not one that I wrote down. Did you ever see a movie called The Greatest Showman? I've heard lots about it. I have not actually seen the movie, though. Okay, I really like the movie. But to my understanding, it portrays P.T. Barnum in a much better light than he was in in reality. Yeah. And I don't know that you would consider any of the people that worked for him as disabled. But, you know, literally, these people were treated, if you pardon the expression, like circus freaks. Right. This is moving on to a different movie, but have you ever seen Victor Frankenstein? Victor Frankenstein was that the one with was that the one with the Harry Potter guy in it yeah I didn't see that no I started watching it but what you were saying it reminded me of that one because in the beginning he starts out as a hunchback basically working for the circus Mm -hmm. he's the the Igor of everything you know Dr. Frankenstein, you know, sees him at the circus, he frees him, and he fixes his back uh-huh. in, in like the first in like the first hour of the movie, probably even less than that. That first half hour. I didn't get through the whole thing. I just wasn't that interested in it. But what you had said reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. Because they considered him a freak and, and apparently according to the, that movie you know, it wasn't that he had like a lump. His spine was just that that out of place mm-hmm. that it had created a lump and the hunch. I mean, it's one thing to tell true stories like the amputee Navy guy. Yeah. But I don't know who makes up something like that. It was so out of left field, you know, coming from watching, you know, older Frankenstein movies and stuff where this actually goes into not only telling you why there's a hump, but then he goes and fixes it by basically beating the crap out of him. This doesn't help anyone with a disability. No. Quite the opposite. Yeah. Don't try to beat the crap out of us. That's... What we're saying to you right now. He used like the wall to straighten his back out. And then he had to wear this brace. You know, kind of like the the chest braces that they they give people when they've had back surgery. To help Mm -hmm. them, you know, stay in a position. It was kind of like an old-fashioned version of that that he had to wear after that to make sure his spine didn't go back into the hunch. Well, I mean, thank you for... Describing that movie in a way that makes me not want to see it, but... You're welcome. Yeah. 
I think I'll save time and just not watch that. Yeah, I mean, I, I stopped watching it. And I can see why now. Yeah. So the next movie on the list I've never heard of either, but it's called Molly. Molly McKay is released from an institution and undergoes an experimental medical treatment that turns her into a genius. So basically, this is like the Charlie movie, except she was institutionalized. Wow. And the message that it carries with it is that sometimes being in an institution can lead to a cure, which is usually not the case. You know, especially now with the things that people do get institutionalized with, usually it's a lifetime thing. And even if they do get out, people don't know how to act when they've been institutionalized for that long. No, I mean, it, it, it's... It's like being in jail. Uh, that's exactly what I was about to say. It's, it's like being in jail for decades and then being released back into the public. And especially if you've been in there for decades, you know, so much has changed in the time that you've been in there. You don't know where to begin. No. What to, what to do, how to get started. The next movie's called Night Mother. Like, goodnight, mother, you know. Jesse Cates tells her mother one night that she's going to commit suicide by morning. Jesse, who has epilepsy and whose son is a drug addict, says that she is sick and tired of being sick and tired. And what it says is, I guess being dead is better than having epilepsy. So we're right back to where we started as far as like having whatever disability, I'd rather die. This is another one that, that hits home for me because I have a friend who has epilepsy. As far as I know, she's never felt that way because of her epilepsy. I know there were times where it seemed very frustrating trying to get it under control and nothing's working. There was a kid, I won't say his name, but he was an actor. If people know, they know. But he did some stuff for Disney and and stuff like that. And he was an epileptic and I don't think anybody knew. But apparently he had a seizure in his sleep or something and died when he was 20. Wow. Yeah. That's sad. It's horrible. Yeah. A friend of mine, her boyfriend back in high school, basically the same thing happened to him. Oh, no. But from what she told us, he had a seizure while he was sleeping and somehow flipped himself over and ended up suffocating. Well, I don't know everything about what happened to this kid, so right. that, that might have been what it happened so you know i don't know it's tragic stuff and shouldn't be played with some things should just be left alone you know we, we all know that that things like that happen there's no reason to portray it in a movie because all that does is sensationalize it yeah and Who really wants that to happen? You know, other than the people that are making money off of it. It's a subject that shouldn't be a moneymaker for someone. 
there's you know a certain amount of awareness that should be known you know and given but not something where someone's going to make millions off of it right so the next movie is called the other sister when carla tate finishes her training school she seeks independence her wealthy family overlooks her abilities and underestimates her relationship with Danny, who also has a developmental disability. (laughs) And the subtext is, insert eye roll, how dare you have abilities, you're disabled, damn it. Uh, Where to begin with that one? I haven't seen the movie, but... Me either. I can't tell if they're saying that it's a good or bad thing to show within a movie that disabled people actually have abilities. Obviously, it's a good thing to do, but I can't tell without seeing this movie if that's what is being said. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, the way that it was phrased... You could take it in many different ways. Yep. And so we move on. (laughs) Pumpkin. Carolyn is a snobbish college sorority girl who mentors a member of a challenged athletes team for a sorority service project. At first, she's afraid of Pumpkin, but soon finds herself falling in love with him Shocking her friends and the family. Okay, well, this is something that hits home, I'm sure. Because you got a fiancé now who's also in a chair. If either one of us were with someone who didn't have a disability, odds are, eventually, people from outside that relationship are going to react the same way. I actually have been in a relationship like that Mm -hmm. it wasn't a long one we had known each other for years and we're still friends but you do get treated differently at least you know in the beginning i think a lot of people feel like it's more of a caregiver kind of a role versus a relationship and try to treat it as such you know the person in the relationship with you or me they might not think of themselves as a caretaker but those outside people the parents of the other person or whomever they're the ones that might see their in our case daughter as a caretaker it sounds like that's what this movie is saying but again we haven't seen it so we don't know right The next one's a big one. Rain Man. Charlie Babbitt finds out after his father dies that he has a brother, Raymond, who has been institutionalized throughout his life because he has autism. Fun fact, the real Rain Man died a few years ago, and he didn't have autism. He was missing a corpus callosum, which I guess is part of his brain. But it says this movie has done a lot of damage 
to the autism community. I'm looking up corpus callosum now because I'm curious. It is part of the brain. Uh, it is a wide, thick nerve tract consisting of a flat bundle of commissural fibers beneath a cerebral cortex in the brain. You know, I haven't seen Rain Man in a long time. Me either. But years. But with what people know about autism now, I mean, it, it does come across that way. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Even down to, like, the savant behaviors. There are certain things that obviously autistic people are not very good at, and that's fine because everybody has their faults but there are some things that autistic people are definitely good at and there are those people that wouldn't know that without getting to know them and you know that's probably the good part of a movie like rain man because it shows the brothers bonding right where you know, in a situation like that, it's not always going to be the case. Next one, scent of a woman. A retired army lieutenant who is blind, played by Al Pacino, decides to spend Thanksgiving in New York City with a young man who is hired as his care attendant. Saviorism and an actual blind person should have had this role. That's what it says. I think this is another one where Al Pacino won an Academy Award. So I don't know if a real blind person would have done so well with the role. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder with movies like this where the non-disabled actor or actress wins, you know, an Emmy or, you know, whatever. If it's purely because of what the topic of the movie is oh sure you know the role that they played versus whether you know they really did a good job or not is it like a pity award i think that this has been referenced in other movies the idea that if you can convincingly play a person with a disability you're going to win awards yeah that might be part of why the real representation doesn't happen. It wouldn't uh, get the same attention. Yeah. It wouldn't be, oh, you, you did such a lovely job of playing that role, you know. It, it wouldn't get that because the person lives that role. And now go back to your job as an extra or whatever, you know. Yeah. Okay, here's what I'm not surprised is on the list. There's something about Mary. A former geek realizes he's still in love with his high school crush. He hires a private detective to track her down, and both men compete for her affections. Mary's brother, Warren, has a developmental disability. Now, this is the opinion of the author. Mary is treated as a savior... Because look at how awesome she is for having a disabled brother. I don't know about that. I don't remember her brother having a big part in that movie except the end. 
I'm trying to remember about the movie too. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I don't remember it being por- portrayed like that either. What I remember is, first of all, he wasn't played by a guy with a developmental disability for real. But part of his developmental disability, I suppose, for some reason, he didn't like his ears touched. And he's wearing headphones throughout the movie like we are right now. I think there's a part where the main character tries to take his headphones off. And the brother basically kicks his ass. Yeah, he he freaks out. And then at the end, he takes his headphones off again. And this time, there's no problem. So that's the happy ending to the movie. Now, if only that was the way it would happen in real life, if someone with a developmental disability, if, if they wore headphones and, you know, had the the same first reaction, they're not going to, by the end of a movie or whatever, change that. That's just who they, they're going to be. You know, it's yeah. a sensitive thing for them. Yeah. You know, there have been debates that I've been part of, even, as far as whether spina bifida that we both have is a developmental disability or not. I don't know. You know, I've never looked at it as one until I met certain people with it that kind of have the more cognitive issues that sometimes come with it. But either way, you know, it goes back to like, if you just try hard enough, you'll get better. And, you know, sometimes that happens if you weren't disabled before. But otherwise, not going to happen. You know, obviously, I'm not a neuroscientist or neurosurgeon or anything like that. But I think that when, you know, there's some kind of an injury involved, there's still some kind of a, I don't don't know if it's muscle memory or, you know, somehow some people can get that connection going again. Yeah. But they would have had to have it to begin with. Right. This one is probably going to make us laugh for a second. Wild Wild West. I know I did see that movie. <laughs> You're with laughing because you know what where this is going, I'm sure. With Will Smith, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Gunslinger Jim <laughs> West, played by Will Smith, must team up with inventor Artemis Gordon to thwart plans of villain Arliss Loveless, who wants to assassinate President Grant. Loveless is a double amputee and uses a wheelchair. The subtext is, all I'll say is this. If a white man played a black man in a movie, Will Smith would be screaming about it from the mountaintops, as he should. But for some reason, those rules don't apply to disabled people. That's a very valid point. It's a great point, but we've talked about that already. Yeah. You know, and we'll talk about it more, too. That movie does have some pretty funny points in it, though. Yeah. The next one is a little surprising to me, but here goes. 
X-Men. If you don't know the plot to X-Men, here it is. Professor X runs an academy for mutants, people with superhero powers. The X-Men team must defend themselves against anti-mutant legislation and the villainous mutants. Professor X, played by Patrick Stewart, uses a wheelchair. It's a good movie, but it says in future sequels, so this must be a really old list, how about you hire an actor who actually uses a wheelchair? And as we know, that didn't happen. Maybe it will in the actual MCU, but I doubt it. I've seen bits and pieces of, of the movies. Yeah. I guess I never really gave it too much thought. You know, about the fact that it's played by Patrick Stewart. Sure. Well, I'll tell you why, because you can't hate on Patrick Stewart. Well, no, you can't. And two, he looks so much like the actual comic. The character, yeah. Yeah. You know, that you, you almost forget that he's not. I guess for me, it was so much, because you're already talking about like mutants and stuff, that the whole disabled thing doesn't really cross your mind. Yeah. And that sounds horrible, but it didn't cross my mind that, it, you know, he's in a wheelchair because one, his wheelchair that he uses is such a badass wheelchair in the first place. Oh, the flying <laughs> one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The flying one, yeah. I actually dressed up as Professor X uh, for Halloween one year. I thought about doing that, but I'm too big. I also dressed up as Lieutenant Dan one year, too. Really? That was a good time. Did you hide your legs? I did. I actually did it for... Uh, I know we're going back in time because we already talked about Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. I did it for Spirit Week in high school one one year. Yeah, and that's showing some kind of spirit. Wore a wig to get the, the long, crazy hair. I had my dad's military tags. I wore his camo pants. It's fatigued because they were so much bigger. And so I could actually kneel and tuck my legs in that way and then tie the ends <laughs> off. Now, a little off topic, but just so you get an idea of the super smart people I went to school with. There were people that actually thought I had amputated my legs. And then, you know, obviously the next day, it's not spirit day. So wasn't dressed as Lieutenant Dan. And they somehow thought that I had sewn my legs back on. <laughs> and my response, as silent as it was, because I didn't say anything, I just kind of rolled my eyes, was, if I knew how to sew my legs back on, do you think I'd still be in high school? It's your cover. It is. You know what? You're you actually a super genius. <laughs> oh, my God. I... Professor X. <laughs> I should have done the Lieutenant Dan thing because I had the hair. You did have the hair and yeah. the facial hair. Yeah. And I can't really hide my legs at this point, so. No. It's, it's not meant to be. I wish I could now. You know, <laughs> I, I guess I probably still could, but it, it, I would be in so much pain. Oh, yeah. Definitely not worth it. No. So we come to the last movie on the list. So the last movie on the list is pretty much the ultimate one about institutionalization. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. 
I hate the glorification of the institution. And in the book, and I've seen the movie, but I haven't read the book. But it says in the book, he not, it, it says he not even mentally ill. No, he's not even mentally ill. He just pretends that he is to get out of jail time. Mental illness is not a costume to put on and take off on a whim. Now, that's a good point. Yeah. And it wasn't that the way it was in the movie, too? I think so, yes. It's been a while since I've seen the movie. I've not read the book either, but I have seen the movie. And I believe that's how it was in the in the movie as well, was he pretended to be crazy to get out of jail time. I think that's true. And again, it's been a couple decades since I saw that movie, but I think there was some subtext of the institution actually affecting him to the point where I guess by the end of the movie, he didn't he get lobotomized? Yeah. Yeah. So they must've yeah, thought there like, was something wrong with him for reals. Well, I mean, if you watch the movie, he does, he does act like a crazy person. Or, yeah. You know, what, what people, what people, envision a crazy person being i should say yeah but it's jack nicholson you know he was exceptionally good at that stuff so i I think i think i think he was a little crazy to begin with well that's what i'm saying (laughs) before we wrap things up there were a couple honorable mentions that weren't on that list but i did see them recently so i wanted to mention them too and one of them happens to be called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. This is the 1970s version, not the Tim Burton version, because I don't think they did this in the newer version. I'm going to assume people know the story here. Charlie comes home with Willy Wonka's last golden ticket, and his otherwise bedridden grandfather literally jumps out of bed and starts singing and dancing. And he goes with him to the factory. So for the rest of the movie, he's on his feet. You tell me. I mean, the way they make it seem when you first meet him, you know, they <laughs> said he he doesn't have the muscle mass to get out of that bed. Right. Very frail. Very frail as long you know, as well as the the other grandparents. Yeah. Who apparently still can't get out of bed, but yeah, miraculously... because they're all sharing a bed. It's very strange, but. This was the 1970s. What can you do, you know? Right. Well, you know, they are supposed to be portrayed as a very poor family, so. Yeah. Bunch of people sharing one bed. Maybe it happened. But it is odd that he goes from barely even able to sit up without help to dancing around the room as if he's been doing it for years. Another one I saw recently, but this one was mentioned to me before I saw it again as having some ableism in it. None other than Iron Man 3. Did you see that? I have not seen a single one of the Iron Man movies. Okay, that's fine. Here's the thing about Iron Man 3. Now, my mother likes Robert Downey Jr., so all of those movies I saw in the theater. And this one starts out with, spoiler alert, the person that turns out to be the villain is on crutches, seems very unable to walk on his own, and 
ultimately what you find out is that he's developed some sort of cure for his own disability, but what he's also done is allowed for amputees to regrow their limbs. But here's the catch. I think he was using all amputee soldiers. So they would have kind of an aggressive streak and sort of tried to turn them into a villain army of some sort. But the catch of the cure for the disability of sorts is that if you get angry enough, you literally explode. Damn. The person that reminded me about this movie having ableism in it, her name is Mizan Ford. Shout out to her, friend of mine. She's been on the podcast a couple times, but she seemed more affected by this than I did. And once I saw the movie again, I realized why I wasn't so affected by it. It's because, like I just told you, people were exploding. So I wasn't so offended by this because I knew that wasn't going to happen in real life. Movie magic. Right. (laughs) (laughs) At least you hope that's not going to happen in real life. (laughs) No, I mean, it's something straight out of comic books. Maybe they could have done it in a different way, but it's not really realistic anyway. So I didn't take it as a personal insult. You know, not having seen the movie, but just going off of how you described it, I personally would be hard-pressed to find it offensive to me as well. So this has been our list of movies that showcase ableism. If you know any that we didn't cover, please tell us in the comments. Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, join our Discord server, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Next week, Greg and I will be examining TV shows that feature ableism. Until then, this is Nate Lurie saying you don't always have to do a lot to inspire others.